Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Batter up. Hello, listeners. Welcome back to A Pot of Their Own. This is episode 103 of A Pot of Their Own. I am Allison McCaig, and I am joined this week by my lovely co-host, Linda Cerovich. Hello, Linda. Hey, Allison. And Maggie Wigan. Hello, Maggie. Hi, Allison. So um, the past week of Mets has been pretty bad on the field. We won't waste that much time talking about it, but if we keep going with our now months-long, I feel like, toast analogy, (laughs) um, the Mets briefly came out of the toaster, but then they were already toasted sufficiently and someone put them back in the toaster and then they became <laughs> overly toasted. Um, so it's They're like twice toasted toast. Just plain um, burnt. Yeah, yeah, just burnt toast. Smoldering, like the whole house smells. You have to open a window. Yeah. It's like, the kind where like as a mom, you can't even pretend that somebody might eat it. You're just like, no, we're starting over. We're starting <laughs> over. Yeah, like somebody took the toast out of the toaster and decided it wasn't toasty enough and put it back and then accidentally burned the whole thing down. Or they forgot about it. They set it up on the high yep. setting, walked away, did other things and came back and was like, oh, I almost burned the house down. Who among us? Because, <laughs> you know, it was like the very last dead cat bounce. They did they did that very exciting, like two out of three from the Yankees in the Subway Series. And the, the games were very exciting. The weekend games were. And then, like, they came out of it and it looked like, I mean, it didn't necessarily look like they were going to make a run because they were already kind of far behind at that point. But it, the the race started to shape up such that, the division kind of became out of reach because the Braves 
were not falling. And so, but actually the wild card started to become like a slight possibility, except they were chasing a bunch of teams, but they weren't that many games out. So it started to become like, oh, maybe if all these teams lose and the Mets win, they can do the wild card. And the schedule presented the Mets once again on a silver platter. The Mets were presented with an opportunity where in over the course of a week, they played two of the teams that they are chasing in the wild card standings in the St. Louis Cardinals and the Philadelphia Phillies, and they were swept by the Cardinals and lost two out of three to the Phillies. So that just goes to show, it kind of shows that like the series against the Yankees was fake and this is not a playoff team. Like it, it was a nice was. clear answer. There was no, yeah. it, it, you know, it was like, what does a playoff, t- what does a playoff team even look like? Oh, kind of that. I mean, that's the other thing is the Cardinals and Phillies aren't that good either, which no, they really, aren't. really puts the, like the microscope over how bad the Mets are. Right. But I mean, they were, just playing a different class of baseball and the Mets is not the kind that is going to be played for too much longer this season. And the Mets were uh, shut out by Adam Wainwright as if I needed 2006 (laughs) flashbacks added to my, my, um, you know, shark uh, charcuterie, as they say in the, uh, in the MLB TV commercial charcuterie board. Did you just say charcuterie Um, charcuterie (laughs) board of, um, of Mets this year? I well, can just add that little tidbit, that little cured meat of Mets, a uh, uh, 2006 PTSD. Well, I forget what was the Vaz, maybe. I can't remember who pointed it out, but they're like, how awful is it that Adam Wainwright is still pitching and shutting down the Mets and David Wright physically can't play anymore? Like, that just added salt to the moon, too. Oh, yeah. I get angry every time. And meanwhile, like, Yadier Molina is, yeah, him too. is literally, like, immortal somehow. Bouncing around on the knees of a man half his age. Yeah. Fine. Like, it's he's fine. a catcher and he's still fine. Like, I'm just like, what? Like, I will we- say, though, as long as we're talking about petty grudges, um, it was nice that if the Mets were going to pretend they knew how to play baseball, that they did do it against the Phillies. Not the yeah. Phillies. Not the other the ones. Yankees. The Yankees. The Yankees. Thank you. That's the well, one. Well, they did for one day against the Phillies. Yeah, they did yeah. pretend. I mean, like, the the last game of the Phillies series was, I mean, they won. It was, but like, it didn't matter at that point because they had already lost whatever it was, like, five games in a row at that point yeah and um but it was one thing i'll say about it is that it was a bright spot for jeff mcneil who hit the who hit the go-ahead homer that ultimately won the game and it like lately he has been looking a little more like himself and that's good if he can like you know end the season on a positive note that would be nice for him i think it's been a you know it's been a struggle for him and he has not made secret how frustrated he's been by it um wait should we play a game of who should return and who shouldn't like out of oh, like yeah. the we spare can- parts mcneil <laughs> dom shady <laughs> we can play that game i mean we can play that game i don't know like all people so I, I had a conversation with someone Cano. on Twitter <laughs> recently about this because, and this wasn't, you know, a person who was yelling at me. This is a person who he and I were having a legit back and forth about it. And he was like, they need to, you know, trade everybody and tear it down basically. Cause I don't see a path to them being good next season. And I was like, I agree that I don't really see a path, but they're not in a, they're not in a good position right now in any Mm-mm. fashion, because I don't think that Mets fans are going to like the returns that they're going to get 
on these trades. Like you want to trade Jeff McNeil and Dominic Smith. Sure. You can do that, but you're not going to get the return that you would like from those players at this time. I hate to break it to you. You're not yeah, going to rebuild I, your yeah, you're farm selling system low, yeah. by trading Jeff McNeil and Dominic Smith and selling at their absolute lowest points. I mean, it was an understandable, it, I think part of what was really disappointing about the season was like they entered with perfectly reasonable, good expectations for all of these guys and just none of them delivered like straight up zero. Now that doesn't mean that all of them are busts and all of them are useless players to have on the team, but they do have to sort of make themselves a little wager as to who is and who isn't. Um, and try to keep around the guys that are going to be good. Cause I mean, they can't, they, for one thing, they can't treat all of them because they literally need people to play those positions and they're not going to go out in this off season and replace what, like two outfielders, a third baseman, a second baseman, like plus basically every pitcher. <laughs> when God. it comes to Jeff McNeil, his his season's interesting to me because he is both the player that I'm most surprised by, like his his downturn, but also like most encouraged that it won't happen again of the guys that have been like really, really underwhelming. And that's because his batted ball profile has been pretty much like identical to his career averages. And it just seems that he like, is it's like an approach thing or that he, cause he's constantly hitting into hard outs right at people. They've learned how to shift him properly where, whereas they didn't before. And like, he was always a guy who could like, he demonstrated it that he could sell out a little bit of batting average to get a little bit more power if he wanted to do that. But this year he kind of did neither like of those things, you know? Um, And he was always kind of an all fields guy. So I don't know why the shift should have killed him but it has been it has been and like that's what the that's what yeah. the underlying stats are are bearing out that the shift is killing him but he the, but in the past he wasn't that guy <laughs> yeah i don't so know i don't know i don't know but he's like at least he's not like i don't know like james mccann i have like no hope that he will be any good again like he's just he I was don't... good for like 20 minutes two years ago so right Again, even has, feels like a little generous. McNeil has a body of work and the underlying, you know, metrics show that he's in line with what he's done before. And maybe a little luck plus a little bit of a change in approach will fix it. I don't think that like he's suddenly not a good baseball player anymore. Whereas I don't think that James McCann's a very good hitter. I won't say not a good baseball player because he's been fine as a receiver for the most part. Um, not great, not like, you know, like a super defensive great catcher, but like, you know, not not Wilson Ramos. Oh. Um, so you know, but it's a low bar. <laughs> he's he's he has he's not a good hitter, and I don't think he's gonna be a good hitter moving forward. But what are they gonna do? Like cut him? <laughs> I don't think there's any like well, the the only noteworthy catcher really out there is Rail Muto, and that's long gone. So I don't even know what you do at this point. Although it was nice, I think we said this last week. Um, seeing Gary Sanchez behind the plate, it made me do it appreciate James McCann a little bit more. Catching is hard. It's it is hard. I mean, but the frustrating thing about the Mets is that they 
had the opportunity to sign the best catcher on the market two years in a row and chose not to do that two times in a row. They, instead of Yasmani Garandal, they signed Wilson Ramos. And instead of JT Wiruito, they signed James McCann. And neither of those were the right decision. And they gave up on Darno too. Yep. And they did. Yep, that they did. Um, And as far as like other players, like... I mean, with Dominic Smith, I think it's highly dependent on if there's a DH next year or not. And that also, like, affects the Robinson Cano picture as well, Um, whether the Mets can hold on to all these players um, or just kind of trade them for what they can get or cut them. Uh, Like, I honestly don't know where Dominic Smith's place is on this team moving forward if there's no DH especially. Um, I don't know. Is JD gonna be on the team? <laughs> they keep saying that Robinson Cano is working out at playing third, third. Base, which is like, oh Jesus Christ! That seems like a anything? terrible idea in so many different ways. Unless Besides your end goal in all this is to get him so injured that <laughs> you could just stick him on the sixty day for the if he doesn't get future. injured, he's on so many drugs again. <laughs> probably get caught i mean you should just generally assume that robinson cano is on drugs yeah that seems like a safe bet i just yeah and like robinson cano like we've talked about in this podcast before presents a a salary problem for the mets as far as their payroll um because when you think about like how it has ripple effects now again I am not one to excuse ownership ever like i think the mets should simply spend above the luxury tax to build a better baseball team um, and not let Robinson Cano's salary be a hindrance to them. But if they do do that, there are other things that then become a problem, such as Edwin Diaz's arbitration salary. Like at what point do you, because Edwin Diaz is going to get a raise. I know that people don't like to hear that. I know that people don't like that Edwin Diaz is going to get a raise um, because they think he's like the worst or whatever. I think he's, okay um he's not the elite closer they paid for or they traded for i should say he's not the elite closer they traded for but he's not awful he's not the worst like many of the fans think he's fine but he's gonna he's gonna make he's gonna get a raise in arbitration because he has 30 saves like i'm sorry that just that's the way it works and because it's almost impossible to not yeah and so he's gonna get a hefty arbitration number and i don't know like how the Mets feel about given their payroll situation, giving him that amount of money to be a mediocre closer or, you know, or if they want to, if they want to go out and get a closer and that's fine, then Edwin Diaz becomes a very expensive, like setup man then, which I would be in favor of doing. Yeah. I think that would be fine. But then you also have loop, you have Syndergaard, you have Strowman. Loop who they should re-sign by the way. Yeah, I was going to say you but that's because he wants to be here. Crazy. Yeah. Anytime um, anytime a player who's good inexplicably wants to be a part of this circus, like, (laughs) please pay attention and actually sign that player. Yeah, like Luke, I mean, like I get they're totally different pitchers, but he kind of reminds me of Addison Reed, where like he just came in so unheralded and just became the best reliever they had without like yeah. any fanfare and just went out there, did his job and went home. Like drank I, a bush light and went and drank a bush light in the process. And that was it. Uh, bush light. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
one bush light. A single bush light. It's Friday night. You know what time it is. Time to have approximately one bush light and call 911. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, I mean, you got to bring him back, especially considering he won't garner that much. Um, Bias, you have to make a decision on... Strowman. Strowman. I mean, Strowman. Strowman should not be a decision. No, like, it shouldn't. Be. I mean, it's it, no. I probably will be. Loop and Strowman should not be decisions. But Strowman has been the absolute rock of this team. Um, you know, he's no Jacob deGrom, but literally no one is. And he has done everything south of Jacob deGrom that anyone could ever ask of him. Yeah, he's been the Mets so, most consistent starting pitcher this year. Yeah, by 100%. a mile. And yeah, so he, he should be a non- there should be no question around Strowman because if they need to try to replace his innings from the outside, they're not going to be able to, or let me put it this way. They could do it if they invested, but at that point they might as well just bring back Strowman and they're probably not going to do either. So there we go. Yep. Uh, yeah. So I just, I feel that the Mets are in a tricky situation because in order to build a contending roster, it's going to cost more money than I think that they are willing to spend. Now, obviously, we don't have a big enough sample size on Steve Cohen to know what he's gonna do, but like it's gonna it's gonna be like they'd have to bump up the payroll by a lot in order to get this to contention. And they can't afford to fix a lot of their problems in trade because they don't have any pieces to trade. Um, like I mentioned, the existing big league players who you might want to offload from the team are not going to bring you back and trade what you want, and they don't have a farm system to trade from at this point. So they're just not in a good position right now. They're kind of – they're where the Mets have always been, in like a middling, mediocre, middle purgatory ground where they're not outright tanking, they don't they're not 100 game losers, they're not trying to suck on purpose, but like they're not they're not perennial winners either and they and there's not a path forward to try to rebuild or to try to be Dodgers East right now. It's it's frustrating. I don't know. I don't and know. It's a shame because the division's not great. Like it's this, not. No. This they could totally be feasting on this division if <sighs> I guess if things had broke differently this year, like there's a scenario where they were great this year. They were in first place for 90 days. Yeah. Where, where DeGrom stayed healthy and like two of the six guys who sucked all year sucked less. Yeah. Yeah. And, and all of a sudden it looks like a very different team, but that didn't happen. And I don't know how, you know, I feel like, I feel like there's a path forward if some people bounce back, but you have to guess which people and the Mets have never been very good at that. <laughs> um, like not ever. No. And yeah, no. So I guess it's just, it just feels like a lot more of the same. Yeah. I mean, and it's at like- least they have the capacity to buy their way out of it. Now we don't know if they will or not, but at least there's a scenario that exists that they can do that. Yeah. Whereas if it like should, a couple years ago, that would just be an absolute like non-starter. So that's the only positive I can think of right now. Um, but it still remains to be seen if that's the path they choose to go down. And it's funny this- because 
the like a lot of people um ourselves included on this podcast talked about how they didn't do enough at the trading deadline to improve the team and that's sort of been borne out in the sense that they you know scuffled in the second half and fell out of contention but the trade deadline acquisitions have actually been some of the better trade deadline acquisitions across baseball and they have done everything that the Mets could have possibly asked of them Javi Baez has been raking since he's been a Met and Rich Hill has done exactly what you ask of him every fifth day. He pitches five innings and gives up three runs, Rich Hill style, which is what exactly what you would expect. And Trevor Williams has been arguably better than they could have expected. So is Trevor Williams, is he under contract for another year yes. or no? Oh, he is. Okay. Does he have options? Does he have options? I think he did. That's why they traded for him instead of somebody else. But they probably burned one. Anyway, I don't know. Yeah, they traded for him because he had options. I mean, I don't remember if he has like another one next year or not. But that feels like a question for a different podcast. (laughs) I will look that up at another point. I'm sorry that I'm not armed with that information. Um, No, I meant like like a different podcast altogether. (laughs) Oh, yes. That is an like not to say that we can't ever answer those questions, but if you really want that question answered, and I realize I'm the one who asked it, um, we can recommend any number of other podcasts. <laughs> um, but um, speaking of like question marks for next year, um, as far as injury updates are concerned, Brandon Nimmo's back, so that's good. I mean, he had a short, rather short stint on the IL this time, um, and he's he's do, back to doing Brandon Nimmo things mostly. Um, Syndergaard and Degrom are both; they both seem to think that they are coming back, or the Mets seem to think both of them are coming back at some point. Syndergaard is closer; he's nearing a return. Like they said that he's going to make a couple of rehab uh, appearances in AAA, and so he's like ready to make a rehab start, and he's going to make a couple of those, and then he's going to come back at like what the last week of the season, I guess. Sure, whatever. Um, and maybe DeGrom too. I have no idea. It doesn't much matter. They're playing out the string at this point. Like I said last week with Syndergaard, I sort of get it because you have to see if he's like capable of throwing a baseball before you make a decision about a qualifying offer. Um, for DeGrom, it's like probably purely aesthetic just for him to say like, I came back. Um, but yeah, uh, that's where we're at. Um, it seems like with Michael Conforto and the qualifying offer, um, the Mets, the rumor is that the Mets are likely to offer Michael Conforto the qualifying offer and that he is likely to reject. Um, it seems like that is the rumor that is out there. Now, I mean, obviously Conforto himself was asked about it and was non-committal on the matter, but um, you know, the the inside sources to the various scoops guys say that he is likely to reject. Um but I don't think they know that for certain. That's just a rumor. I think but. if he does, I think his then he's playing his last days as a Met. I agree. I don't think he's coming back. Yeah. Which is well, sad. and I think you know, I think there there is. I think the 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 logic behind rejecting the offer is pretty sound. And this is another thing where I think people are going to say like, oh, that's you know, he's been terrible. He's never going to get that much. And, and the thing is like he probably will be able to get that much, maybe not per year, but you know, if he can get, you know, double the amount of the qualifying offer over three years, which I think would probably still be a bit of an underpay given his pedigree. um, 
then like, I think he would take that. I think that would be a smart thing to take. So I get it, but it's going to make a lot of people mad. Yeah. But then that also means the Mets have to figure out what to do with their outfield next year. What outfield? Yeah, that, that, that's very true. Uh, Brandon <laughs> Nimmo and Kevin Pillar, folks. Is Pillar under contract next year? I, I think so. Asking I'm yeah. pretty sure he is. He has an nice. option. It's oh, like yeah. a weird, but it's like a weird option. I can't remember. He has like a, a weird option. That's it's a, yeah, isn't it a player, player option? option? Yeah. Oh, well. <laughs> Who even knows? It? Like, it's just... I mean, yeah. you could, I mean, if you want Cano to be your third baseman, you could always stick Bryant in left field. <laughs> Bryant I mean, has I, played the outfield. I guess we, I mean, here's the thing is, you know, Allison said it earlier that like, we don't really know who Steve Cohen is. No. But we're going to find out. Like, that's why I feel like, like we're, it's so hard for us to sit here and answer these questions and like, map out the path because we just don't know what his deal is yeah this is probably gonna be one of their i mean we say this every year um but this is gonna be a crucial off season in a lot of ways not only because of how many question marks they have on the team but because this is their shot at getting it right in the front office and you know, maybe even manager, which probably is what's going to happen. Um, like they, they inherited a lot of dudes and then they, I mean, I'm sure they had a process or whatever, Sandy Alderson, so they had a process, but, um, with Cohen not being hired until November, you, it would, there was a time or being approved in November, you still had a time crunch. Uh, the off season was already underway at that point. So at least this time, and I'm sure they already are preparing. We know the Mets are not making the playoffs. So at least you have a full off season now to prepare. You've had, you know, months to prepare now, knowing, you know, that this team's got some holes that you're going to have to have to fix for next year. So, but they have to get it right. You have to... How many times have, like we said, they should have gone after Ray Muto. They should have gone after Wheeler. They should have done this. Like, stop giving us the should haves. Give us something more concrete now. And well, and now the excuses have to go too because, yeah. like, this is not the the season immediately post COVID where everything was super weird and we didn't have good samples on the guys yeah. the year before. This is not like you had to put together a front office in like 45 minutes on the back of a napkin because <laughs> Jeff Wilpon took forever to decide to sell. Like it's that kind of nonsense is done. And Steve Cohen has a, for better or worse, very blank slate to work from. And so here's the moment like, okay, what do you got? Let's see it. Yeah. Show us what you can do now. Like it's, this is all you now. Like you, you can't say you inherited everything, anything. You can't say you inherited these problems. This is all, this is all yours now. So like, like we said with the minor leakers too, like you should have known they weren't being paid. You can't claim you didn't know, like you're, you're the boss. You have, you should know what's going on in your organization. So, you know, treat the Mets. You would your standard white collar crime, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Prepet- yeah. pre- pre- pretend the NL East 
is the FCC or no wait, <laughs> SEC, whatever it was. Yeah. Whatever <laughs> the watch talk is. The ones that you always want to throw some shredder when they come by. Those guys. <laughs> yeah. yeah. How do you outsmart the rest of the SEC? <laughs> you know, we should not be hard to outsmart. Let's no. be real. Um, Especially but, the Phillies and the Marl. And I don't see the Nationals being good at all. Oh, the Nationals are going to be good so bad. for like five years. They're going to be bad, bad. So you have the Nationals and the Marlins. So you already have your odds of winning the National League East have already gone up because you have two teams that are just legitimately not competing next year. So you have a well, one and the, three shot at winning next year. And the Braves are always like under... They're like underreacting to everything. They're never refreshing their roster. They, and yet they keep winning by default because every other team is a dumpster fire. And that makes me so mad. If the stupid Braves are going to win anything, make them deserve it with like, with, you know, Chipper Jones or something. None of this, none of these little half ass folks that they've been bringing. Yeah, they're getting bounced in the first round. Let's be real. Yeah. Just like last year when they was it last year or two years when they gave up 11 runs in the first inning. It's like how embarrassing. Oh, yeah. To the you couldn't even right? be competitive like this is the National League East and we could we couldn't do better than that. Yeah, um, not even close. Nope. Anyway, as far as like it being all Steve Cohen now. Rumors are starting to heat up um, on who the Mets will seek out as president of baseball operations to work under team president Sandy Alderson next season. Um, And it seems that Billy Bean is their top choice, Um, a.k.a. like the rumors make it seem like it's his job to take or turn down. Like basically he's the top dog. He it's his job if he wants it. Um, and there is there has been rumors as well that if Bean comes over, it might be Bob Melvin in a package deal, like both of them would come over. Um, and but you know, Theo Epstein and David Stearns have also been mentioned by John Heyman as being on the quote short list. Um, and now you can recall when we got the question when we did our QA about like what executives would you like to see the Mets replace, you know, Sandy Alderson? Well, no one's replacing Sandy Alderson, but what executives would you like to see them bring in? Um, I mentioned David Stearns um, in that conversation. Um, So it's good that the Mets are at least thinking about him, but I don't think that he's, you know, he's the one who's gotten the least mentions of the three names. Like he's just been mentioned as being on the short list, but um, I think they wanted they didn't to give permission. Last they did not. Time, yeah. They did not. They did not give permission last time um, to interview, although I'm trying to remember what the dynamic was last time. And if Sandy Alderson was like if the, if this was for president of baseball operations or just as a GM, I don't remember. I always I always forget like what titles they're trying to give people like when you organize the front office and give like the president of baseball operations title, it's usually to like pry these big names away so that they're not just the GM, they're president of baseball operations. Um, It's like, you know, a fake title that gets them more money and like enables them to like pry them away from their other team. It's like executive producer. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly Um, it. (laughs) 
So, well, you know, like, the, the regulars are the ones dropping the hints, like Martino mm-hmm. said today, like, oh, Bean might be intrigued of going back to the team that, you know, that drafted him. Like, the hints are there. Yeah. And, like, as we've mentioned on the podcast before, when people talk, we're talking about Theo Epstein, like, it's not a coincidence that two of these three candidates on this short list are Sandy Alderson's mentor and Jared Porter's mentor. Um. Yep. Like, I'm not, you know, like, Billy Bean is, I mean, other than being the Moneyball guy, which is how everyone knows him. Um, like, I don't necessarily have any, like, thing against him. Like, there's no, like, known reasons for, for him to not be a good idea. Um, we don't necessarily, the thing with Bean is that he's somewhat of an unknown quantity on how he will operate with a big market team. Um, because he's like known as being the money ball guy because he was on, he was running the A's and they were a very small market team and he had to like, you know, do money ball to make every dollar count. Now we don't know if like, if Steve Cohen gives him like a budget or like a bigger budget and says like, go out and spend like how he will do that. Um, but it's still the fact that he's like the top, one of the top, one of the top if not the top choice is not exactly indicative of any sort of sea change on the part of the Mets at all <laughs> like they're bringing the in the money ball guy who who mentored Sandy Alderson <laughs> yeah, because it all- seems like the like the good old boys club like oh this is my buddy let's hire him like I mean he's obviously qualified but I would just like somebody for once not tied to Sandy Alderson I mean it's just money ball all the way down at this point like you know, people talk about wanting to like do something super different and, you know, go with like, you know, someone, someone from the Rays, but like the Rays are kind of the ultimate money ball team right now. Like that's just how they all are, which is depressing. But like, you know, if you want a baseball guy, he's probably going to be bunny ball. He's probably going to hang out a lot with Sandy Alderson, <laughs> you know, hopefully not Zach Scott. But like, you know, it's I feel like they're the options are so limited. It's 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 like that photo of from the uh, that went viral at the stadium with like all of the white guys that look exactly the same, like all <laughs> down the it's like that's baseball. There it's all these guys who are almost impossible to tell apart from each other. Yeah, just all bland, boring white dudes. Yep. And they're all friends with Sandy Alderson. Yes. that's that's how he works yeah like i just like i i i my favorite one of my favorite um baseball tweets of all time is um from craig goldstein uh of baseball prospectus and uh it's it's the tweet that he did that was like billy bean does 19 things to make his team slightly cheaper and slightly worse uh yes i see it (laughs) nat sign scherzer makes no sense like that's that's what Billy Bean is. And like, forgive me if I'm not like hyped out of my mind about that. Like, yes. Is he a respected as was Sandy Alderson at the time? Is he a respected baseball executive who like many, most people consider to be a really smart guy who knows the game. Absolutely. Yes. But like, I don't know, like I don't necessarily care that he's going to be like smart and find the best bargain bin reliever like that's not what excites me like the francisco Lindor extension excited me as a fan you know give me the stars don't get me like scott hatterberg 
Right. Like, we're, 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 we're New York. We're not Oakland. Like, I mean, to be fair, that Oakland team, they just forgot to put it in the movie, had a lot of stars. That's true. That just wasn't so exciting. Like, it should be all of the right. off-screen Oakland days. Yeah. Unless it be on-screen Oakland days. But Venus all- Wait, wait was also- be on that team? I can't remember. Yeah, he was. Yes, he yeah. was. I mean, to me, it, like, Billy Bean's another guy who despite having been in the league for so long is kind of an unknown in some ways because he's just been with the A's for so long. Like it's not that he himself is a complete unknown, but what he would look like out, you know, on a different team that I, that, you know, I don't think we have a real clear picture of. He's also like not currently, or like, I don't know. I just feel like he's like kind of removed from like a lot of the modern things. Because he wanted to leave baseball a couple years ago. Yeah. So I don't know. Like, does he not want, like, does he not like where the game is going? Like, what was his reasoning for wanting to leave baseball? Like, that's a, that to me is a red flag. Yeah. I don't know. We'll see. I mean, like, if he, if that ends up being the choice, you know, I guess pending, you know, us finding out anything that we don't know right now about Billy Bean, they could do worse. That's for sure. Um, but I guess we'll see. Um, we don't know how Billy Bean will operate um, as a big market manager. Just like we don't know how Steve Cohen exactly will operate in his first full off season as owner. So it'd be interesting to see it all play out. Um, so, and we'll as- be here talking about it. So lucky y'all. <laughs> um that's gonna be our whole off season i know oh it could be, be i all mean this stuff again um i said this the other day i tweeted it that the Mets are either bad or interesting like there's no between so that's gonna be the off season like at least we'll have things to talk about because stuff should happen so either whether the stuff they do is good or bad it'll at least be interesting yep it will hmm. at least be interesting May you um, live in interesting times. Yeah. <laughs> so Unprecedented times. times. Oh, <laughs> I never want to hear that again. <laughs> I know. Nope. Um, so something uh, that happened in baseball. So speaking of teams that have kind of like tanked themselves out of contention in the second half, the San Diego Padres have had a pretty spectacular fall from grace. I was going to um, say, why is there no LOL Padres? Why is it only LOL Mets? I mean, lately it's been pretty LOL Padres as far as like, like they they've started to fire people. Like they fired, they fired their, um, like, is it like minor league development or scouting director? Yeah, and he was there for like years. Years, and they fired him just like kind of out of nowhere, which is like a really weird fall guy for this. And so I don't know what's going on there. I mean, like, I don't know enough the, about the Padres and like what's been happening to know what might be going on there other than like I know that they have, you know, the Padres have a very – good farm system one of the best in the league which is a testament to their player development but also they've struggled to other than fernando tatis jr obviously they've struggled to like you know have these guys like become good players once they're big leaguers like a lot of their like big minor league guys have not panned out like they hoped so i think that like maybe he's taking the fall for that but it seems like there might be something bigger going on i don't know man um but 
anyway, something that again, like it, we we say it's always LOL Mets. If if this had happened, I mean, we know if something similar had happened, it would have been a big circus because something similar kind of did happen with the rat raccoon thing, and it was a big circus. But there was a confrontation in the Padres dugout um, at a recent game. Um, between uh, Manny Machado and Fernando Tatis Jr. And that's the other reason why it was like a big deal that blew up a lot was because it was these two star players on the Padres. Um, And, you know, you could see, so Tatis like reacted to a strikeout, like, you know, he reacted negatively to it. Um, And like, I think Machado, like Machado kind of got in his face in, in, in the dugout and yelled like, it's not fucking about you. Um, so that was interesting. And I've, I've seen a lot of split reactions on this. Like I've seen people, like some people say that like it was really toxic and Machado getting his face in public was like really not good. Um, and Machado, as we all know, is known for, you know, being a bit of a hothead at times, um, throughout his career. Um, but I've seen other people say that like, it was a good demonstration of like leadership, you know, like guiding the younger player, um, and stuff like that. And trying to make it, trying to make people like make him understand that like everybody knows you're good. Like you don't have to do this um so it was I, I, I it was interesting I'm not sure which side of that I land on uh, well it reminded me of was the memes were wonderful though by yeah the, me- he, the memes were top notch like I could watch the memes all day um but what it reminded me of was the Wilmer Flores walk-off game the against the nationals because Bryce Harper got thrown out of that game and I remember Ronnie saying you absolutely cannot do that in a game like this in a game you're playing your division rival you're the team's best player and you let your team down and look what happened the nationals lost the game without with their best player sitting in the clubhouse um so May Machado was absolutely right but I don't know if it's something you should do in full view of the cameras, because then this is what it turns into. It turns into it turns into a media circus. Well, and of course, remember what happened, I think, just a couple weeks after Bryce Harper got thrown out. He also then got like manhandled by Jonathan Papelbon, Papelbon the, yeah. oh because God, the, and wild. I think and I think that's the common thread here, which is that frustrated players on bad teams behave badly Badly, and and overreact and everybody is on edge. And I think, you know, would it be like the giant circus? It is if it was a different, it would it be a bigger circus if it was a bigger market, maybe probably, you know, would, would there be a lol Mets long-term narrative to work with? Absolutely. But I think you just see this nonsense everywhere. And it's, and I mean, then that's just, I mean, when I say everywhere, I don't even just mean like other baseball teams. That's just like what people do when everything is going wrong is they, is they behave like big babies and like beat up their, beat up their teammates in the dug in the dugout or, you know, get thrown out of games. I mean, yeah. we even saw it with the Mets. I mean, but they did it in the tunnel when they saw a raccoon. <laughs> but, you know, you know, tempers, like you said, Baggy, tempers flare. And when the teams are struggling, you're already on edge. So you just need that one thing to, to kind of set you off. And 
I mean, I think Tatis and Machado are fine. I don't think they hate each other or, you know, this is going to be a problem going forward. I, but it's just, it's just something that happens and it's just going to keep happening because it's just, you know, the adrenaline's going, you're, you're under a lot of pressure. There's a lot of eyes on you and you're expected to, to do well. And, you know, the, that one thing could just like, like you said, just set, set them off and that's it. And then now you're always going to be known as like the problem or because you're not going to live this down. The memes are forever now. The memes are forever. <laughs> and it, it was, I found it to be an interesting dynamic with Manny Machado in particular, because he is a player that's known for having acted immaturely in the past when he was on the Orioles. And he got a lot of crap for that from, well, from the media and also from like veteran players on his team, from Adam Jones, from JJ Hardy, from other veteran players for his behavior. Um, And I think like, it's unclear to me whether this is a reflection of him learning from that and not wanting Tatis to act the same way that he acted when he was his age, or like, if it's a, you know, if it, it on, on one side, it could be that. And on the other side, it seems like, hypocritical to people on the outside I think for him to act that way and like like you know react that way to someone being immature it's like well you were one of the more immature players in the league at one point so I don't know it's like I is it a, is it a change on his part or is or it would like, he be well, the only one who he... could get through to Tatis or could yeah. anybody like yeah. how like if you know some someone like Adam Jones can't get through to baby Manny Machado then it's going to be hard for anyone to get through to Fernando Tatis Jr. Because again, these are guys with, with big egos and, and, you know, tend a lot of them tend towards being very defensive. And that's, you know, it, it, the interpersonal dynamics are just complicated, but also when you think about it, like really typical in a lot of ways, (laughs) if you just expect them to act like regular people, it kind of makes a lot more sense. Yeah. Tatis is 22 years old. Like he was basically a college kid. He's a baby. Yeah. I was going to say, you know, like if this happened at a college game, you'd be like, oh, okay. College boys. Yeah. Whatever. Like literal babies. Yeah. They're babies. (laughs) So, I mean, Stuff happens. I don't think it's that big of a deal because, yeah, tempers are going to flare, especially on struggling teams. And I know people were saying that, like, Tingler has lost the clubhouse and that proved it. And I think that was Matt Williams definitely did back with the Papelbon Harper incident. But I didn't see this as a fight. This was more of like a just calling out your teammates. So I don't, yeah. from that aspect, I don't know. I mean, I also don't know the Padres and because they're on the West coast, I don't really follow them. So I can't speak on if Tinkler's lost the clubhouse, but I don't think, I don't know if that means, you know, the whole clubhouse is all of a sudden gone kaput because of one incident. Yeah. I don't, I don't think that that's true, but I also find the whole, like, I haven't, my, I haven't lost the clubhouse t-shirt has people asking a lot of questions about my shirt. I haven't lost the the clubhouse, but if you see it, could you let me know? (laughs) I've been looking for it. (laughs) Yeah. 
Um, actually, it's really funny. Like literally as we're talking, um, the athletic posted a new article where, um, the, where Machado and Tatis like addressed the, the confrontation to the media. And, um, it definitely reads like it, the quotes that they gave, I mean, obviously, you know, the quotes that they gave could just be like lies to placate people, but the way it reads is very much akin, like in line with what Linda was saying. Cause Machado said, um, We've got Fernando over here. That's about the win to win the MVP. And we've got a team that's trying to compete and get to the World Series. We haven't been playing some great baseball. So emotions get involved and get the better of us at times. And those are situations that we learn as leaders, as a team, as an organization, that we have to get better from that, said Machado, who called Tatis my little brother. He added, We've got a lot of years here moving forward. So he knows that like they're both they're both the leaders on the team moving forward. Like they're the faces of that team and that they've got to like work on that and I think that I don't think it's a fight like they hate each other I think it's just you know moment got the better of them and also on the flip side let's not forget when there was the gunshots at Nationals Park it was Tatis and Machado who ran onto the field to let fans into the clubhouse yes which was really really should not be forgotten that they no. that they did that so I don't think these are bad people who you know who they just did something stupid and, you know, tempers flared, but I still think they're, like I said, I think they're fine. I think they're close. And um, like, like I said, you know, it's like you got to discipline your little brother sometimes when yeah. he's acting up. <laughs> Get that little I'll put it this way. I feel a lot better about the Padres foreseeable future than I feel about the Mets foreseeable it's future. It's, it's true. very true. Sad, but true. Um. The other like kind of baseball thing that I wanted to address this week is that there was a piece in the athletic um, about, uh, and I think that they, I don't know if the athletic publishes this every year, but the data comes out every year about like the, what they call the fan cost index. So it's basically like the average price to attend a game. Um, And the average price for fans to attend games went up in 2021 um, to an average of $253 for four people. Um, the Mets, uh, for what it's worth, are really close to that average. They're like maybe slightly above it. I forget, but they're like right in the middle of the pack and they're like $255 or something like that. But their cost went up 3.2% um, compared to last season. Um, and the biggest increase, um, and now keep in mind that this is like, you know, toward the bottom of the scale. So the increase is still, they're still below average, but it's the biggest like percentage increase is actually the Orioles, um, which is really unfortunate because the team is so bad that like, and it's like way more expensive to see them now. And that's despite ticket prices actually going down. So this is mostly due to consolidating concessions due to COVID-19. And I experienced that myself this year at Camden Yards. Like there are so many fewer concessions than there were. Um, it's even more dramatic than at City Field, which we've noted the, the reduced concessions at City Field. Um, at Camden Yards, it's even more dramatic. Like in the upper deck, like there are none of those like little carts that are like, you know, you know, the little pop up stands that sort of exist around the ballpark that are not like you know brick and mortar buildings but they're just like little stands none of those are open at Camden Yards right now none of them um because a not enough people are going to see the bad team and b it's it's COVID related. And so the price of concessions has gone up dramatically because there's not as many places to get them um so yeah it's 
it's a problem. It's a huge barrier to accessibility to the game, especially given the contraction of the minor leagues, which is a more affordable alternative to Major League Baseball. Um, it's $253 for four people is a lot of money for an average person to spend to go to one baseball game. It's a lot of money. Well, and, and it's when you say one baseball game, I mean, that's just it. But if you can, if that's what it's going to cost, then maybe you're going, maybe you're going to two games a year. And like, that's not gonna, that's, that's not gonna like instill lifelong fandom. That's just like a once in a while thing, you know, baseball should be like a lifestyle, but, um, you know, go, just, I was thinking about something you had just said, which is that, you know, the Orioles are so bad. They're also cheap. Their payroll is tiny now because they've gotten rid of anybody making any money. Yep. And it's just goes to show everyone who's like, well, you know, uh, everything is going to get more expensive because the players are demanding more money. And like, no, that's not how it works. They will charge more money no matter what. Play the, pay the good players the money because the price is going to get more expensive anyway. And at least that way you get to see the good players. Yeah, Francisco Lindor's contract extension is not going to mean that your Bud Light at City Field is going to cost more money. That is not yeah. what's happening. Your here. Bud Light at City Field is definitely going to cost more money, no Regardless. matter what. <laughs> Regardless. <laughs> and it just keeps going up and teams keep citing like COVID-19 as, you know, a reason why they have to charge more because they they have to make up all the lost revenue, but it's like these are billionaires and people aren't going to go if you if you make it so unaffordable to attend a game like maggie said like baseball should be a lifestyle like it's different when you're going to like a football game for example because like there are so few home football games there's eight or whatever home football games a season so like you go to one and it's like a big event and you do it like once a year and you do the big tailgate and it's a big thing. You spend a lot of money on tickets and parking and all this stuff. But you know that you're doing it because it's like a once a year thing for you. For baseball, like baseball's not the same kind of sport. They play it every day. It's a long season. And in order to really like feel like you're a part of it and feel engaged with the team, like I like I feel bummed out when I go to anything less than like five or six games in a season. And I will say average is just that is average. And I not this year because my kids are too young to be vaccinated, but like I have on many occasions taken a family of four to a baseball game and paid much less than $250. Although still a lot of money. I mean, I could get my fam in and out for probably like probably one to one fifty, but it's still way too much. But like the thing that's really that's that's stark now is there's just not that many ways to downgrade you know you don't have even if you have bleacher sheets at bleacher seats there's still like 25 bucks a ticket if you want to go on weekends and you know if you just want to get oh i'm just gonna get a hot dog and a soda okay that'll be 12 dollars yeah yeah you know it's it's I, I get like having the whole the whole two hundred fifty dollar experience of like some nice food and some good seats, but it should be there should be the option to go for cheap to just you know bare minimum and it's not and that's not there anymore. And there used to be like these like family packs where you could like get you know you could package your concessions and get like a hot dog and a soda together and get like four of them for you know a certain amount that was less than if you bought them. 
individually, but I feel like, I mean, admittedly, as someone who does not take a whole family of people to the ballpark, usually it's just me or just me and my parents or just me and Michael, but like, um, like I'm not tapped into this as much, but I haven't noticed those type of deals as much. No, they're not really around. There's like the closest is that is the kids, the kids meal at city field, which I don't even know what they're doing this year, but is like, it's, it's the low key best food deal on the planet. They don't check to see if you have your kids, but it's, um, (laughs) it's like, it's like a hot dog, a popcorn and a bottle of juice. And it's like, think seven dollars oh Oh, that's pretty good it's about as much as a single hot dog is otherwise that's nice but that's the cool but and there's no and there's no ticket deal and the team's tickets are always more expensive on weekends and like i don't know when else i'm supposed to be taking a four-year-old a seven-year-old to a baseball game it's not gonna be at seven o'clock on a weeknight Um, but all those tickets are like thirty dollars yeah like for us that live in the suburbs i can't go after work by the time i get down there it'll be nine o'clock so it's like, unless you live in the city or in Queens or close to the ballpark, you know, the rest of us, we're going on weekends. And like you said, families have to go on weekends. So we're always the ones paying extra. And, yeah, and those of us who travel from outside. Yeah, like we don't have the option of, you know, having the cheaper ticket of going on a weeknight. And it's, like, um, it's just not feasible. And not to not to mention all the travel costs associated yeah. with that. Like, I have to come from D.C. That costs a lot of money in gas in, well, in parking or however we choose to get there. Um, so. Or even the train. Taking the train, taking the subway, like the Metro North, the Grand Central from where I am is almost 20 bucks at this point. Yeah. It's just like so. Uh, that's about the same as city field parking because then you got to take the subway on top of it. So you're not saving any money by taking the train to the game. And now, yeah, it's and it's like people keep wondering like things we the things MLB can do to you know like to grow the fan base. Like don't stop it from being so expensive to go to a game. Like that's basic stuff. Like. Pace of play doesn't matter if no one wants to go to the game because they can't afford it. Yeah, like with the Orioles saying, well, we had to raise prices because of COVID. You don't think the rest of us got hit by COVID? You don't think the rest of us are suffering? And, but the difference is, is you're a billion dollar baseball team and we're just, you know, little peons in the grand scheme of things. We're just regular old people yeah. <laughs> who can't afford to miss a paycheck. Like- no. <laughs> I'm sure they took a terrible hit. I'm sure the annual increases in their revenue was a little bit smaller this year. <laughs> yeah. Cause that's the other things they are always talking about how like, Oh, there's so much, you know, baseball's dying. It's the, there's a crunch, but like, if you look at it, they're, they're doing great. They're doing way better than the rest of us. Yeah. Yeah. Somehow and they're again, still going to make their money. And it's not to say that there shouldn't be sweets that they shouldn't have, you know, expensive food options, but like make it remotely possible, make it possible for me to walk in and out with my family for under a hundred dollars. Yeah. Yeah. That seems like a low bar. And unless you're buying, buying, um, you know, like StubHub tickets. And even then if you're buying StubHub tickets, 
and you're bringing most of your own food, you can make it work. But that's kind of ridiculous. Like, I'm like, let me go on to Mets.com and show up a week later at a baseball baseball game with my family for $100. That's all I'm asking. Yep. And it's just like peak insulting to your fans to have like to tank and lose on purpose and have Mm -hmm. a crappy on-field product and then say, ooh, but you got to pay us more for the tickets because, well, not the tickets, but concessions because we didn't make enough money last year. Like, that's bullshit. You're... Mm -hmm you're running a like $40 million payroll. Like, come it's on. Like, I'm so sorry. We, we can't, you know, we have to, we have to raise the ticket prices because this reliever's salary just ticked up to 7 million a year. Yep. Well, and then on top sorry, of fans. that, they have, you know, the stupid um, purse rule or bag rule. So then, then you got to rent a locker if you accidentally bought a big purse. So like, it's just, just frustrating to even just get in the door at, yeah, at it's a baseball like, game now. It's almost like an, like an airline these days. It is. Really is. They're just like, like now there's not even food or there's not even hot food. There's just snack boxes and they all cost $17. <laughs> Can I get my snacks? Can I get my small bottle of airplane whiskey, please? Oh, that'll be $12. I will pay that $12 every day. Yep. <laughs> um anyway, um, if you want an alternative to watching a Mets game at the ballpark, but you still want to hang out with a bunch of cool people. You do. And- we know you do. And raise money for charity for the National Domestic Violence Hotline. We know you do. Come hang out with us this Saturday at Catch in Astoria, Queens. Catch That's Catch with a K in Astoria, Queens, 5 p.m. on Saturday. The first two hours will be, you know, raffle stuff, hanging out, talking, grabbing drinks. And then before the game starts at 7 p.m., we'll announce the winners. And then you can stick around and watch the game with us if you want. Or you can just take your prize and go. (laughs) Either way, (laughs) we would love to have you there. Um, The Mets uh, came through for us once again. If if you are a uh, Dollars for Dingers veteran, you will know that in 2019, we had um, signed baseballs from Jacob deGrom and Noah Syndergaard. And I'm convinced that the raffle tickets we sold for those were responsible for like half our total donations alone. Um, they were they they were like, if you look at just the raffle amount, it was it was over half. Yeah, it was it was much less than like the the pledges. The pledges was the majority, but still a, a good hearty chunk. Yes. Um, so the Mets came through for us again. Um, we will have a signed bat from Brandon Nimmo and a signed ball from Michael Conforto at the raffle. Um, so, uh, on those items only nothing else, all the other things, all the other awesome things, which are all awesome are going to be exclusive to the in-person event. So if you want to bid on any of the other awesome prizes we have available to you, you have to come to the in-person event. However, for this autographed items, because we know that everybody wants a chance to win the autographed items. We will be taking advance bids for those only. Just send us proof 
of your donation. Now, this is separate from the Dollars for Dingers pledges. This is not the same as the pledges. The pledges are just money that you are giving out of the goodness of your hearts for every Mets home run hit during the month of September from September 3rd to October 3rd, which it's not too late to pledge, by the way. So you should still make a pledge if you haven't already. But this is separate from the pledges. Um, Send us proof of your donation, a a screenshot of your confirmation email, your receipt, whatever. Um, You can DM it to us on Twitter or you can email it to us, aa.apodoftheirown at gmail.com. It's $5 per ticket. So every $5 you donate gets gets you like one ticket or one bid for the signed bat and the signed baseball. Um, So let's say you send us a screenshot of a donation for $20. That's four tickets you get to bid. Um, so if you want to do that, you can do that, um, as a way to, for those who can't attend the in-person event, send us a proof of your donation in the amount that you would like in increments of five. Um, and we will give you that many bids. Um, but if you attend the event in person, you will be able to bid on those signed items as normal, you know, just buy raffle tickets. Um, and as well as all of our other prizes, which include custom art and t-shirts, a package from our friends at Breaking Tea, poo-poo hats, poo-poo take hats, um, Mets hats, gift certificate from Catch, and other, other really cool stuff. So please, please, please come this Saturday, 5 p.m., Catch Astoria Queens, and help us make this the most successful Dollars for Dingers campaign yet. Um, we appreciate you guys so much. Thank you to everybody who already pledged. Um, we're up over $6,000 in pledge Yay. dollars as of today's podcast. Um, so you can still make a pledge anytime between now and October 3rd when the Dollars for Dingers pledge period ends on the last day of the season. Um, so yeah. You are all the Marcus Stroman of podcast listeners. Yes. Yes, indeed. Tenacious. Dedicated. Rock solid passionate dependable good good people yeah so please 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 keep them coming don't stop the pledges now and please come on saturday we would love to see all your wonderful faces we are so excited for this event we can't and it's going to be a beautiful day so we will almost certainly be able to really enjoy the whole out uh backyard outside area they have which is huge the, the food is really good there. It's bar food, but like good bar food. It's, We're going to have a special yeah. drink too. Special drink. Oh, um, that's love right. It. And I, oh, am dri- I am not driving. So no, me hook neither. me up with one of them. <laughs> no, um, me either. And don't forget to bring your vaccine cards or other proof of vaccination because proof of vaccination is required to attend all bars in New York City. Um, and don't fight them about it, please. Just bring your vaccine card my god don't be so embarrassed oh my god Uh, we don't want to have to kick anyone out of this or get the excelsior pass yeah super easy oh speaking of anti-vaxxers uh jake arietta just got dfa'd bye (laughs) bye me um so yeah uh come come hang out with us uh we can't wait we're we're so so excited um but yeah uh we will end the show this week like we always do with walk-off wins where each of us talks about something that is making us happy this week, baseball-related or otherwise. Maggie Wigan, what is your walk-off win for this week? Um, so this most recent Friday, my little sister got married. Yay! And it was, it was really wonderful. Um, it was also like any family wedding, especially one with children involved. There was a lot of drama and a lot of work. But it was a beautiful wedding and she 
worked so hard. She, she planned this wedding twice because it was supposed to be last year. Um, and then she had to plan this year and like, you know, do things like get vaccine uh, confirmation for plus ones and all kinds of like difficult, you know, she had to cancel her honeymoon and all this stuff that's, you know, just more stress for a wedding. But the end result was amazing. It's a, it was a beautiful wedding. Everyone had so much fun. Um, yeah, it was, it was really great. And I am just so proud of her and I love her husband. Um, and it was so great to see everybody and just dance a lot. Um, yeah, it was a really, it was, it was a really, really special day. Um, just a, a forewarning, no one ever, ever asked my daughter to be a flower girl. It's that's not her, that's not her gift. Um, <laughs> but other than that, it was, yeah, it was just beautiful. It was in Dumbo. The bridge was in the background. It was all amazing. Um, but yeah, so congratulations to Sally and Mario. I love you both. And, um, yay. Happy wedding. Congratulations. That sounds absolutely lovely. Um, Linda Servich, what is your walk-off win for this week? Uh, well, I woke up this morning. I was like, oh crap, I don't have a walk-off win for today. Um, but then <laughs> this doesn't sound like a walk-off win, but it is. Sewage backed up at the at my job. So we had to close early. So I got an, an, a surprise half day at work. That's nice. <laughs> so silver lining. Yeah, so um, yeah, we didn't have toilets, so we had to close. And I got out at three o'clock and I came home and I took a nap. Oh, I naps are the best. Oh, I can't remember the last time I had a good nap. Oh, it was glorious. So that's my walk off win. Just leaving work early and getting a good nap in. Taking that's a nap. Love it. A, oh, a great so walk off win. And I woke up and I was like, wait, what time is it? <laughs> <laughs> like, why is it dark already? That's how you know you had a really good nap when you wake up and you're like, I don't even know what year it is. Who am I? <laughs> you say the clock, you're like, is that AM or PM? PM. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, with it getting dark so early, it's confusing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm not looking forward to that, honestly. No. Um, but um, as much as I do like the crisp fall weather, I don't enjoy it getting dark earlier. Nope. Um, so my walk-off win for this week is that was Michael's birthday over the weekend. Um, well, on Friday. Um, and his mom came down um, for the weekend and we had a really nice time. Um, we went to our favorite brewery um, in D.C. They were having their Oktoberfest um, in September, I always find it funny when they have Oktoberfest events in September, but they did. Um, they had their Oktoberfest event. Um, so I got to drink really tasty German beers and eat really tasty schnitzel, which was mm. awesome. Um, so, yeah, we, we just had a nice time. Um, and, you know, it was just a really lovely weekend visiting with family. So that was that's my walk off win. Um, you should. Go to AmazingAvenue.com. Check out all of our fantastic content. You should go to our Twitter page and click on the Google Sheet and our pinned tweet to do a Dollars for Dingers pledge if you haven't already. And please come on Saturday. Um, you can follow Amazing Avenue on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Amazing Avenue. You can follow this show on Twitter at a pod of their own. 
you can email us own at gmail.com. And if you want to bid on the autographed uh, baseball and or bat, you can DM us on Twitter or email us your donation receipt from the National Domestic Violence Hotline. Um, so yeah, those are the two ways to get in contact with us. You can also follow each of us on Twitter. I am at Petite PhD. Where are you, Linda? At Linda Servich. And you, Maggie? At Maggie162. Please subscribe to Amazing Avenue Audio on your favorite podcast app of choice. You will get our entire awesome suite of podcasts. Please rate and review the show. It really helps people find it. The original intro and outro music to this podcast is by Bunga. Let's go Mets. And don't forget, there is no crying in podcasting. Hope to see you all on Saturday. Saturday.